Welcome to Tech London, a show featuring interviews with London's top creative entrepreneurs, startups, investors, design agencies, internet marketers, and freelancers that make up the Tech London online community, which mostly lives on the Slack instant messaging platform. We rotate through both hosts and guests for these interviews, so you have the chance to hear from multiple perspectives on London's tech scene. Hello, folks, and welcome to another Tech London podcast. And in the studio today is our next guest, who's Sanjay. Um, Sanjay, what are you known for, and what would you like to be known for, sir? Um, what am I known for? I'm not sure, Bernie. Uh, I think I'm maybe known for loving coding. I, I'm definitely addicted, and uh, I think it's not a bad thing to be known for. Uh, that's that's good. Uh, you should also mention your podcast. I thought I thought that's a, that's a good spot to because that's that's a. Uh, that's a good place to kick off on a podcast with a podcast. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Why not? Let's get all meta. Um, so, yeah, I, I myself have a podcast of my own. It's called Ahead and Tech. Um, you can uh, find me on Twitter at uh, Ahead and Tech or uh, my website, aheadandtech.com. And um, I basically talk to uh, people I've crossed paths with, paths with sorry, uh, in the industry over the last several years. And it's about tech careers, uh, helping to inform and sort of educate people on the options out there and how they can get a bit further in their own careers. And what, this might sound an even more meta question, but like, why, why did you start that podcast? Because it's, it's very helpful. Thank you. Well, thank you for saying so. Um, that's very nice of you. And that's a good question. Um, so I, I left my last job maybe about eight or nine months ago, maybe about a year or so ago now, almost. And uh, I spent a lot of time thinking about what I was going to do. And then eventually I started writing a book. Uh, and I didn't get very far. There was lots of gaps. And I was like, oh, I'm going to have to go research this and that. And then, you know, I, I, I want to do a good job. And then a couple of people said to me, you know, why don't you do like a podcast? Then, you you know, you can interview all these people who have all the answers and you can slowly build up your knowledge and build up a little audience. And I was like, hey, that, that, that's a pretty good idea. Um, and also, because I had been away from tech for so long, and, you know, as I said, and hopefully you can gather throughout the course of the, the interview, that I, I am totally addicted to coding, and I love tech, and I love startups, and like all this exciting ecosystem that we live in, you know, and all the crazy things we can do. So I was just really bored, and I, I was lacking that stimulation. You know, I wanted to speak to people about technology again. Um, so... Oh, that and a couple of other things sort of came together and I just went, you know what, it's really scary and it's all unknown and it's probably going to fail, but who knows, you know, and I just went, you know, screw it, let's do it. And it's, it's gone great so far. It's going very well. I, I, obviously, well, that's why I'm doing a podcast. I love podcasting and interviewing people. It's, it's, mm. it's, it's, um, it is, it's a really good way. Cause if you say, if I said to you, oh, Sanjay, do you want to have a coffee? I mean, like geographically, that would be impossible at the moment, but <laughs> yeah. you know, oh, I'll go and have a coffee, but having a podcast and, and, um, when you have a podcast, you start. Uh, you don't start talking about the weather because you know time is time is really valuable. Mm. Um, what, what was gonna, one thing I wanted to ask you? When when did you um, come out as being addicted to code? Was it was that when you were like seven or twenty five? I think, I mean, my computer, I mean, I have great friends and great family. I've got a very nice full life, but I would always say my computer is my best friend, you know. Um, I've, I've always, I've always been great with computers, great with technology, but I never knew how to code. And, uh, so I'm 44 now. And I went until the age of, I think I was 37 or 38, something like that before I 
took my first steps to learn how to code. And that was in London. I went to a boot camp there called uh, Makers Academy. Yeah. Um, and that, that's what kicked it all off for me, really. I, th- I thought you were going to say oh, I first started coding in 1990 or something like that. That, <laughs> that, that, that's, um, that, gives, that gives me hope. That, that actually relates to another, <laughs> um, another guest we had, uh, Suzanne Noble, who is, um, she runs a, I think it's called Startup Seniors. Um, okay. And it's amazing how many people like the, the wrong side of 40 like us or, or older mm. get into start businesses or, or make career changes. And probably like our parents' generation were, not even probably, definitely our parents' generation were like one job for life. And yeah. uh, do, do you think technology enables us to change career? Uh, I, I don't know if it's technology per se, but it's opened up so many opportunities for people. And, and I suppose that's the pull. And then the push is that there are less opportunities and less sort of safety and security with everything else. Um, so yeah, as you say, you know, our parents' generation, they would have had one job for life. Um, generations today, they're going to have many, many jobs and they're probably going to switch careers many times. You know, the world is changing so quickly and it's, everything's so uncertain. Um, everything's changed. Yeah, that's, I mean, that would, that would have been an accurate thing to say, like kind of in the end of 2019. And it's even more mm. accurate thing to say now is, oh, yeah. um, what, as you, as you've interviewed people, is there a thread that comes out that you think, oh, that's it that you didn't, you didn't realize before? Is there like mm. something people do or something people talk about or a concern or, you know, what, 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 what's kind of bubbling around in your head at the end of mm. those podcast interviews so far? Mm, yes, sir. That is a good question. So two things immediately come to mind. One is the discrimination that women still face. Because, uh, so I, I've interviewed a, a lot of women and, you know, my, uh, if I can trust my metrics, the limited metrics that I do have, so over 60% of my audience are women, which is really great for me to, to know. Um, and I'm really, I'm really, really happy that I'm reaching women as well. And not only women, but people from, uh, all sorts of, all sorts of diverse walks of life. Um, and, and I, I think one definitely is the, the, that women are still discriminated against. And even at, I mean, there are really great places with great cultures and they, they do very well there. And, you know, they're all very happy there, but in a lot of places, it's still very subtle things. Like they'll be held back from promotions. They'll, they'll be given, um, busy work and then punished for it later. Um, uh, and, and so on, uh, we can, we can go into that later, I suppose. And the other thing is, um, oh, my brain just gone. Hopefully, you can edit this out. Uh, the other thing is, Im- sorry, that's my imposter syndrome kicking, which is perfect because that's exactly what I was going to talk about. Everyone has imposter syndrome, and particularly the more senior people have it even worse. And if they're in a good place, they tend to acknowledge that and they make it easier for people under them to have those feelings of weakness or vulnerability and be okay with it you know so instead of being like a shark tank where as soon as there's blood in the water everyone goes and like kills the weak it's very much more like i don't know whatever the opposite of a shark tank would be you know some some somewhere very nice and nurturing where people um accept that we're all human and we have these feelings a a brenny brown book um (laughs) they're too they're they're Two really, really good points. They're, they're really important to a lot of like in in you know. I spend a lot of time in the co-working movement, and we run this mm-hmm. project called the Co-working Idea Project, which mm-hmm. idea is inclusion, diversity, equality, and accessibility. 
and probably about five years ago we now we've made it into a big thing but we've been having all these kind type of conversations and, and i thought i was a a well-rounded human being and and as we've you know because we've had to research it and talk about it more and you know spread the message and you know when you're a um white male like me wandering through london it's an incredibly different world incredibly more privileged world not not just economically but like you know access and assumptions are are very different to uh people of color and women in particular and i'm amazed There's, there's one group called women who co-work who we do a lot of work with um and I think it is the United Nations reached a, you know, did a load of research and they issued a report, um, which which sounds boring, but it was it will take like a hundred years for gender equality to actually realistically happen in you know in in the workplace. It, it's, wow. it's it's something ridiculous like that. Yeah. I'm going to put a link in the show notes to that, folks, but so you can you can fact check me on that. Um, mm-hmm. And do, do you know um do you know color in tech? Color in tech? No, I don't know. It's that. A, we'll put a link in the show notes to that too. They do. They, it's a whole movement, and yeah, you know, supported by Google and Microsoft and lots of big people like that. But they run. I would urge you all to immediately sign up for their newsletter, which comes out once a week, and it is full of. It, it's very. Um, I'd say I'd say on point, sharp and witty. It's like listening to Chuck D from Public Enemy, like highlight shortcomings in um in the industry, um, and it's very constructive as well, and like things you things you pick up in there um are, are amazing so i you know I've, i follow that a lot because mm-hmm. you, you don't you know i'm not don't mean like down on white men but you don't realize until it's pointed out to you how the world occurs um for other people does, does that sound okay absolutely I, yeah. I would completely agree and i mean as as a brown man or Asian man, whatever way you want to put it, I mean, I, I feel discriminated against in uh, in many aspects of my life, but absolutely not in my career. I would say, you know, in tech, you and I, uh, white and brown men, we are the sort of majority, really, aren't we? And we've we've got to help other people get into our industry. It makes things better for all of us. I, I think that that's because I struggle about like how to act around it and and helping other people get in. Um, like my neighbor here in our co-working space um, explained what equity is. And mm. by, you know, like both you and me, Sanjay, you know, if we help other people who may not get access in, or actually it's not necessarily about access and do correct me if, if I'm not spelling this out right, is it's about inviting people in who don't know they're allowed to be invited. Because I, be, I mean, very like in co-working, I don't know, you know, I've never met a co-working space that is, you know, racist, but oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. not at all. But no, go, when when you go to their um, you know, particularly in Shoreditch, and, and not not so much now to be fair, but like you know, five years ago, most co-working spaces had beautiful white men with perfect teeth and cappuccinos looking at Apple Mac computers, talking about their startup. So then, when anyone else came in, even I, who was part of the co-working movement, was a bit bit um shy about going into some spaces because they just seemed too cool. I felt like an old man going into studio 54. Um, yeah. I, felt, I felt really out of place, even though no one in there, I, I think would, you know, even if it, I, I know the community manager or owner, I felt out of place. So imagine what like a, you know, a, an Asian woman who's yeah. learned how to code two weeks ago would feel. Absolutely. Absolutely. Agree. And I, I agree um, uh, wholeheartedly with you pointing out equity there. Um, I, I, 
I read a great quote the other day, which was, um, uh, equality is being invited to the party and equity is being asked to dance, you know? So it's, it's not enough that we say, yeah, sure, you have all the same chances as we do, but we have to make sure that uh, really everything follows through to the end, that people do really have all the same opportunities and are treated as well as the rest of us are. And 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 I hasten to add, actually, I think London is a great place. I mean, you know, I, I, I've lived in several places. You know, you have uh, multicultural experiences of your own. And I think we're really blessed in the UK. I think people are great. I don't think people, by and large, are racist at all. And I think there's a lot of pushback against people because I feel like, oh, no, you know, why am I being asked to think about race or women or or like um, gay people or trans transsexual people or whatever? You know, I, I'm not against them. I'm not going to hold them back. But the thing is, we've all got to give them a little bit of a, 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 a leg up. We've we've got to um, we've got to we've got to point out issues when we see them, and we've got to because there'll still be the occasional person who will not be an ally who will be on the wrong side, and we've got to make sure we've got to be allies. Yeah, a- allies. Such I, for me personally, that's a very attractive thing to be, and and as I've had it um, spelled out to me by because yeah, I've asked, you know, I, I mean. I mean, um, there was one, there was, you know, there's been, uh, there's been situations where I've said things like, um, I was in a, I was in a meeting where there were eight white people, two of which were female talking about, uh, co-working and regeneration in a very ethnically diverse part of London. And, and I said, you know, we, we, uh, uh, some, something in me makes me want to say, like, we must look out that there's like a lot of us making decisions a lot of white people here and two women making decisions about a very ethnically diverse thing and everyone went quiet. And I felt like, I felt, I felt like I should apologize. Um, and there was like this, this silence on the call for 30 seconds, which is a very long time when I zoom call with people that don't know <laughs> each other very much. Um, and I, I really thought I'd done something wrong. And then someone started talking and they didn't acknowledge what I said. They just started talking, and like, oh, yeah, we should think about what color we're going to make the chairs. And then I went back to another group of people, and I said, um, you know, uh, relayed the same story. And they said, you know, if I'd said that, I would have been the miserable old feminist. And if I'd been that, I would have been the, um, the black person with a chip on my shoulder. And like, because you're the white guy, you can say that. And it does feel uncomfortable, but like, it's way less uncomfortable for you than we say that. And that might seem really obvious to people listening to this and yourself, but that was a revelation for me. I didn't realize the, mm. that I could, you know, highlight things like that and, um, and upset white people, even though mm. they didn't really mean <laughs> any harm, you know? Yeah. And I mean, they're probably not bad people, right? They, you know, they're, they're definitely probably, not. They're definitely no, not bad people. but these things have to be pointed out. And, and like you say, you know, I think it's much easier for us to do it. You know, even me, I, I'm not white as, as an Asian male, I feel like, it's my job to be speaking about uh, diversity and inclusion issues because in the beginning, like for example, in my podcast, um, I was I was kind of asking the question a lot to the women that I had on, and then it kind of occurred to me that actually they're they're like the victims, you know. It's not I shouldn't be asking asking them. I should be taking I should be holding other uh, men to account, other white people to account, you know, and, and asking them, you know, what they're doing about it or what, what their experiences are, you know, because ultimately we're the ones that are going to help fix this. Right. Definitely. Um, I need to unelegantly um, jump to the uh, difference between um, contracting and permanent work. Cause that's also mm. really interesting. Um, mm. 
and I'm conscious of our time. So, so can you, can you say a bit that that's, I think for a lot of people, um, why, why I'm particularly keen to, to ram that into what we're talking about is because even be, like before COVID, the, the freelancer contract versus permanent kind of conversation, but there's a lot of people that have become accidental freelancers, entrepreneurs, whatever you want to call yourself mm-hmm. as a result yeah. of, you know, lockdown and the economic turn around whatever the word is um so what you know what what would you what would you share from your own experience and have you got any nuggets of advice for people yeah this is something i would love to talk about you know for ages i mean it's it's such an interesting thing but the waters were muddy before and now they're even more muddied because of the ir35 changes which i don't know have you ever been a contractor if uh, I, do you know what IR35 is? I, I know what IR35 is because we have a whole um, freelance movement. If, if you're listening, folks, there's a, a Facebook group called Freelance Heroes, which is 11,000 UK-based freelancers. Ooh. And um, we, we did a – when we run a newsletter called um, This Week in Freelancing, and IR35 is a – a sticky sticky issue so we, we can we can definitely spend some time digging into that i don't want to rush you through this very important share here. sure sure um i feel like um so like i well, ir35 is a tax regulation which basically means um if you're uh contracting uh if that's your tax situation uh but for all intents and purposes you're actually acting as a full-time employee then you should be taxed uh, as a full-time employee so it's it's kind of it's a it's a really bad sticking point for contractors now because it's gone to effect in the UK, um, and essentially you lose out a lot of the financial benefit, but you don't gain back any of the other company side benefits. So you'll be paying more tax and your national insurance and PAYE and this and that, but then you you, you know you won't be getting a pension or healthcare, and you still won't be um, able to. Uh, get a, a lot of the other benefits that um, other permanent employees have. So it's in it's in a bit of a difficult situation at the moment. And um, I mean, they've obviously done that for tax reasons. They want to, you know, the 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 exchequer wants to make more money, which is um, understandable. And um, if we take a step back, I think contracting or freelancing, as we know in the UK, in most industries, is probably not a desirable thing because. You have the lack of security and uncertainty uh, of like a permanent role. Um, you may not, you don't know when you're going to get your next role or when, when you may be surplus the requirement and lose your current role. Um, whereas I feel like in the tech industry, there's so much demand that if you're going contracting, you're almost certainly going to have a job. You know, there's probably not going to be many points in your life where you're not going to have the job or you know, know that the next one's probably around the corner, you know. Um, so I suppose that's that's one thing. But probably one of the main motivators for me for going into contracting, for contracting was to carry on progressing in my career. Um, I, think, I think at that stage, I felt quite confident and, you know, I was quite sort of brave and, and I didn't, I didn't have all the answers, but I was getting to the point where I could see just over the horizon. Well, I'm about to get to a point where I could probably work anything out. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not too scared of things. Um, so, you know, I kind of jumped into it and it, it's, it was, it was an amazing, it was the best move that I've made anyway. I've made a lot of great moves that I'm very, very happy about, you know, personally. Um, 
but this this was brilliant fun it's a great way to because you know as i explained you know i joined the industry very late so i wanted to get a lot of experience in a lot of different companies i wanted to start padding my cv and i want to start i wanted to start working my way up the ladder and of course the money is very is very nice as well cuz like i think within the space of about 9 months i had left my permanent job and i had uh went through two contract two contract roles and i was about to third start my third contract role and i think my take home pay had probably about doubled in that 9 months so that's that's a huge deal you know that's that's really important especially when you're thinking about like i'm big on saving you know i'm always saving i'm always investing I, you know there's a movement called fire financial independence retire early which you or your listeners may have heard of um i haven't heard of it bomb there no? okay cool Actually, yeah I, i don't i don't want to retire early i just don't want to worry about money later in life i can't i can't see myself retiring and playing golf but i can definitely would like to you know be able to go and buy a boat and not have to look at my bank balance yeah and you know contracting used to be a great way to do that and i think it's still not bad i think there's still people who are doing very well i think the market has just shrunk a lot um so you know if you have the cv for it if you have the courage um if you think you can you can make it work i think it's still the best path to take but it's it's not as easy as it used to be in the uk anyway um got, there's a few questions there so when you um what one is a What do you think about CVs because I've mm. never had a CV. Uh, I mean I had really? a CV like 20 years ago and right. um I I certainly don't mean like a, I haven't got like um two two private jets on standby but mm. I've been freelance if you like for or independent for like 20 years um and it's only at the end of last year that I got a job in a company but that was because it came from a group of people I worked with so I would never have applied for a job in a company like I work for but i just got told i had to go and work here and it was with the gang so i went um but everything's become like a everything's become word of mouth and and that always sounds like such an idiot thing to say like yeah all my work comes by referral but it's because for a lot of people i'm the only person they know who knows anything about co-working i don't even know that much so that that's happened but um the idea of Where was going with this question sorry Sanjay is mm-hmm. like is it is it a paper CV or is it like do you say to people look at my LinkedIn like mm. what, what, I'm I've got a really obnoxious attitude towards this but I'd I'd like to know your right. <laughs> like to know your okay. grown up attitude Okay sure and then I'd love to hear your obnoxious attitude that sounds entertaining <laughs> Um I I think I mean so for me the CV is absolutely important I think the LinkedIn is a great way to sort of back that up um LinkedIn is a fantastic platform. I'm I'm a huge fan only because it's got me so many jobs. It's you know there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of chaff there as well. Um but there's a lot there's a lot of opportunities 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 excuse me to be had as well. So I think LinkedIn is brilliant. Um but I've gotten all of my jobs off my CV and I think the CV is super super important and one of one of the two uh biggest things i think that really solidified my career tra- trajectory was a point in my life where i kind of totally redid my whole cv i, I and I, i think sorry to sound so immodest i think i struck gold in my own personal way like i think i nailed it you know whatever it was like it was just speaking to people and like my cv from like one week to the to the second week it went from like maybe a 20 to 30% 
you know, callback rate to like 100%, like within 24 hours, anyone who saw my CV was was calling me for uh, interviews. So uh, I think CV is super important and you should definitely put a lot of work into it. And, you know, there's CV writing services, which I personally wouldn't recommend, but there's a lot of great resources, especially on places like uh, Reddit. There's a, there's a lot of fantastic subreddits like... Um, uh, CS questions or learning programming. And they do a lot of, uh, they have a lot of sticky posts, like once a week, they'll do CV reviews, or they'll have like um, a, a once every six month or once a, once a year post your, your best CV. And I think that is a, a great place to start. If things are not going amazingly for you, or if you think there's even any gap in your CV, any room for improvement, or you haven't um, touched it in a long time, um, my personal opinion is you should you should definitely put a lot of work into that. Well, what was the tweak you, or a couple of tweaks you made to your CV? Because mm. I always feel like um, CVs need need to begin like a a well rounded, resourceful individual, like, <laughs> yeah. passionate about coding. I yeah. love walks on the beach. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go with any of that. I think for me, uh, the problem was. So like, you know, broadly speaking, you have two types of CVs. You have the functional CV. That's where, you know, you don't have a lot, have a lot of relevant career experience. You know, that's very typical for a bootcamp grad, as I was, and all my peers were. And that's more like a saying, you know, I've done these sorts of things, and I'm really good at these sorts of things, you know? And I think that could apply to coding, you know? And yeah. so the CV I had was a kind of um, evolution of that. It was morphing into a chronological CV, which is the other kind. Um, but it wasn't quite there. And it was kind of like, I'd started from like, oh, I, like a crappy CV. And I just kind of kept improving a little bit, but it was just crap. It, it just become even, it was like polishing a turd, right? Um, so I, I just had to go back to a drawing board. And I was like, you know, what do people want to see? They want to see the buzzwords. They want bullet points. They want to scan it. They want to know, cool, you've worked with this tech. You've done this stuff. You've achieved this. And it, it's just like, it's just a way of getting past the screener basically it's it's the first it's the first hurdle it'll be a recruiter or like a manager or someone that scans that um and then they'll pass it on to tech people and then that's when you get to really get into uh, uh deep conversations and explain to them exactly what you know and why you're the right person for this role so for me i think it was just really um burning it to the ground starting again and looking at it from the other side so not coming at it from um me sanj um, this is my CV. This is who I am. You know, it was, I came at it from the total opposite angle going, someone looking at me, what would they need to know immediately right away? Not even everything, not even the best things about me. Just what do they need to know right away for them to just scan the page and go, okay, cool. This, this guy's good. Let's, let's get him in. That's, 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 I think that's really accurate. I don't like CVs, but I think that's really accurate. Like, cause when, when you, when you have to look through like, even 20, you know, there's probably like mm. hundreds, there's probably some poor person out there that has to read hundreds of CVs. And when it, oh, yeah. I think when my uh, listener, I haven't researched this, this is my gut feel, but like if you get information really fast, it will in, you know, it's like in copywriting, we say the purpose of the first line is to get you to read the second line. And the purpose yeah. of the second line is to get you to read the third line. So that, that, that that's how I, I go about it. The, um, the, did you, did you, like take on did you like do any courses or i mean i know you did the boot camp but like did you mm. do any how to how to double your freelance rate or <laughs> kind of kind of you know books or courses that helped you go out as an independent economic agent 
Yeah, that's a great question. So yeah, I did. I did a um, pretty early in my career, maybe six to nine months after I started uh, my my company, Compare the Market, which is a brilliant place to work with great culture, really wonderful people. Um, I have nothing to gain from this. Uh, 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 I'm just letting you know that they're fantastic people and I still keep in touch with them. So they sent me on this course at uh, City University uh, called Advanced JavaScript. Um, and that was like a part-time once a week, like evening course, like uh, I think it was like maybe eight weeks or 10 weeks or something like that, two hours, one night a week. And that just helped reinforce a lot of the fundamentals for me. So I found that really useful. Um, I, I, I read maybe a handful of books, you know, um, the usual suspects that, that people will know. Um, I, I spent a lot of time reading documentation. I spent a lot of time working on side projects. Like for me, I'm not really much of a reader. I'm more of a doer and it's not, it's not easy. And, you know, the learning comes slow, but for me, I find that's the best way I kind of gradually built up my knowledge. So I would spend, I mean, maybe this is, maybe some people would consider this to be sad, but I mean, I loved what I, I did and I probably spent half of my spare time for the bulk of my career, either working on my own website or a side project or writing like uh, an open source repo or contributing to others, uh, other people's open source repos or, or blogging. I mean, all those things really help you learn, uh, especially the blogging. I haven't blogged much recently, but I did go through a phase of maybe a year or two where I spent maybe like months researching and writing blogs. And they always start off as like, oh yeah, I'm going to write about optimization or like, you know, uh, browser persistence. And I'll be, oh Yeah. Uh, I'll be done in probably two weeks. And, you know, like six months later, you've gone through tons and tons of research and learning and conversations. And finally, you're able to produce something you're proud and happy of and, you know, that gets out there and is, and is well received and, and is helping uh, our community of peers. Um, so for me, that was a great way to learn. I think like that, that old little last section about blogging, that is the mm. thing I love most on the internet. So mm. I would, I would go and work, I, I would go and hunt down, um, so many people who were just like, and that's one of the, I'm not a coder or a programmer, but something I've always appreciated is the geeky, techie, open sourcey. I think there's a few <laughs> yeah. other words out there where people just like bar campy, unconferency people who, as I, I would deliberately, I'd rather spend 50 pounds to go to a bar camp with a group of people that blog because they just, want to get it out of their system and share their knowledge than spend like, you know, a thousand dollars going to see some jacked up, you know, motivational speaker tell me how to oh, build yeah. my 10 X, my business. Um, yeah. <laughs> I've just, I just learned, um, I've learned so much of people with not the most beautiful looking blogs, but with the really, you know, geeky, geeky stuff. Um, mm. and it's, it's a very generous thing. And, and a lot of, a lot of the best people on the internet that are probably well known say, you know, um, you know, there's a few people like we, we used to do a London bloggers meetup podcast and we had all these hotshot people we'd interview and we'd say to, we'd say, Oh, what do you think? What's your recommendation about wearing, you know, sorry, not about wearing about, you know, blogging. And they'd all say like, just do it. And also they would just say, you know, they'd say blog if, even if no one's reading it, because you writing the, the discipline of writing that stuff and putting it on the internet means you, you will get over that bit of a poster syndrome you alluded to earlier, but also mm-hmm you'll you'll learn so much and that's my mate i I podcast because you know if we if i wrote this out it would take ages like you said and i enjoyed it 
but so I can deliver that quicker. But you know, I love I love the writing thing, and 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 I've never got to the stage where I know how to write. You know, it's like a never-ending quest. Um, yeah, which I, I a few years ago I accepted that I'll be doing this t- until you know I die, just like mm. writing, and it, it's that lifelong learning thing, which it sounds like you're pretty into. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, where we we work in a fantastic industry where there's so much sharing and giving back, and you know, we've benefited so much from that. Um, it's the least we can do to give back a little, right? Even if it's crap and no one reads it, just do it. Definitely. Um, look, Sanjay, I've got to go, man. I'm, 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 no worries. I'm, I'm, I've really enjoyed this. Um, and we Thank will you. come Likewise. back and do this again. Um, where can, just, we'll, we'll put links in the show notes, obviously, but like, where can people find you online? Yeah. Yeah, please um, check out my website, aheadandtech.com. That'll kind of um, shoot you off to everywhere else. So you can follow me on Twitter, uh, at aheadandtech. And uh, I'll be wrapping up my first season soon and starting uh, my second season of my podcast, where I'm going to pivot a little and make it a little bit more interactive and exciting. And um, it, it's all to help um, our fellow London techies. So please check it out. Let me know what you think. I, I really love hearing from my audience. So please get in touch. I will. Um Thank you. I really enjoyed this day. Ladies and gentlemen, there'll be a little trailer from Jonathan about where you can find us online. And, and we're, always, we're always looking for interesting people to podcast with from the London tech scene. So do not hesitate to get in contact. Come and find us in the Slack channel and take care of yourselves, folks. And cheers for listening today. Thank you. Thank you, Bernie. Cheers. This has been brilliant. I've loved this as well. You've been listening to the Tech London Show. If you're interested in joining the community or even making an appearance on this show, make sure you join our Slack group over at techlondon.io. Till next time.